Welcome to the Pete on Software podcast, where we program with passion. This is the podcast that discusses technology, the business side of software, and the tech people that drive our industry. And now, here's your host, Pete Shearer. Hi, and welcome to episode four of the Pete on Software podcast. I'm recording this on Friday, January 24th, 2014. Today, I want to talk about something else that really got me fired up at work this week. And it's an attitude that you can sometimes find among software developers, and an attitude that I definitely encountered this week. It's the attitude of not invented here. The basic premise is that some people won't trust third-party libraries or other people's code because it wasn't written in-house. Joel Spolsky famously wrote about this on his Not a Blog. You can check it out over on tinyurl.com slash notinventedhere, all little letters. It's Joel's assertion that if the thing you're doing is at the core of your business, or it's one of your competitive advantages, then you'd want to write that for yourself. And that makes perfect, perfect sense to me. If you are building a business to make the best blog software, and all you're doing is reselling WordPress, then you aren't going to have a runaway business because you don't have any special sauce. Let me tell you about what came up this week for me and why I got so fired up about it. I'm doing a little consulting work with a department that is merging with another department, and they have to combine their software where it overlaps. One of the first overlaps you get at sequentially uh, is the issue of logging into the application. The department that I'm working with uses Atom, which stands for Active Directory Application Mode. The other department is using a homegrown SQL-based user table. The other department also has a security team and has had their applications successfully audited to an impressive level. So I'm not saying they're out there storing passwords in plain text or anything. However, at this point, when we're getting to choose the best of breed, I'm not sure why the best solution would be to use a SQL Server database table. Their best retort so far is that it's more customizable for users and roles. However, every packaged solution, Novell, Active Directory, Atom, etc., they have the concept of users and groups, and they are just as customizable. And even if they weren't, you could just extend to the database based on user ID. As far as SQL, we have a few problems that have to be solved in an implementation that makes doing it in the first place a lot of extra work in infrastructure. Are the passwords one-way hashed or encrypted? Are they stored in that state, or are they trusting that they have transparent encryption turned on in the database to protect all the data inside? If they are one-way hashed, are the hashes salted with a different value per hash? By salted, I mean do you append a value, hopefully a knowable different value per record, to the plain text before you encode, encrypt, or otherwise make it ciphertext? If not, it is susceptible to every kind of attack, rainbow tables, and then you find all the similar hashes, etc., that have plagued our industry recently. The way that hashes work on purpose is that one value always hashes to the same value over and over again. The belief is that in a good hashing algorithm, no two different texts will hash to the same value. That's good, but it's also bad. If I know one user's password, then I can just find that hash all over the database, and now I know everyone with that same exact password. However, if I just do something as simple as prefixing the password with the primary key of the record before hashing, then no two hashes will ever be the same. It's just another step. Let's assume it's encrypted, not hashed. They're as secure only as the protection around the key used to decrypt them. There's tons of dangers about this. It doesn't matter if you're using a certificate, which is then only as secure as the password used to enable the certificate itself, or if you're just storing the key used to decrypt it. Same issue. How are you storing that key? How easy is it to get to? Even without owning the server, 
The certs are often backed up, and they can be found vulnerable there in the backup location. Again, even encrypted values, if not salted, open themselves up to finding the same password over the entire database because the same string will encrypt to the same ciphertext. On top of that, is the data secure all the way in its transport? For instance, in our department, we send HTTPS to the server and then make a secure connection to Atom. The values are never in plain text except in memory on the server while being worked on. There are obviously secure ways to handle your own user auth stuff, but again, why? It is harder to pass a security audit, pass competent auditors, if you write your own versus using an already hardened product, but to what end? I even blogged about a boneheaded thing I did that passed an audit, passed it, but it was me making the very mistakes that I've already been talking about here because I was an arrogant noob developer. If you're curious, you can read more about it over at tinyurl slash n2dz7dw, also be included in the show notes. Is this department in the security business? Do they want to make sure that this stays 100% secure all the time? Or is this just a way to justify budget and headcount or ego for the department? The thing that really bugs me the most is this other department has boasted repeatedly that they use Java and open source because it allows them to develop rapidly and to use time-honored and battle-hardened solutions, which I completely understand and respect. That's what you should do. But why even use open-source frameworks at all if all you're going to do is ignore this extremely important issue? There are a ton of ways to handle this in Java. Why not use one? Or for that matter now, why not write your own web framework or ORM? Because it wouldn't make sense. Why not leverage what has already been done and stand on the shoulders of giants? This is the mindset that allows us to get by with four developers in our department and for them to need several times as many. For all their talk about how Java is better because they can leverage so much open source in the community, they're taking the first left into the weeds here. I have yet to work with or at a large company that rolled their own user access. They may be out there, but I haven't encountered them and I've worked for or done work for quite a few Fortune 100, even Fortune 20 companies. Why do you suppose that is? because not rolling your own user authentication is a best practice. Again, it doesn't mean you can't make roll your own secure, but why are you wasting the time and resources and upkeep? It's a hubris that befalls a lot of companies recently. All of the recent user information leaks, especially around passwords, were based on passwords stored in a database without the best of security around them. Not a single one that I can think of were where someone busted Active Directory or Novell wide open. That isn't to say it isn't possible, but most of the attacks that I researched on the web in preparation for this show involved having administrative access on the network or on the domain controller for where the passwords are stored. If someone's gotten that far, your security's borked way higher up the chain, and they could have just as easily had anything else that they wanted. But to bring us back to the not-invented-here syndrome, user authentication is not the core differentiating factor of any of these applications. Let's even assume that work was done that made the user mechanism top-notch, but now you have to be diligent to make sure that it stays that way. Let's assume that you're hashing passwords and even salting them before you apply the hash. However, let's assume you use the SHA-2 algorithm in the form of a SHA-512 hash. It's pretty good, huh? Guess what? SHA-2 was designed by the NSA. Do you feel secure that there isn't a backdoor built into that algorithm? If you're really security conscious, I would think that you'd want to move to SHA-3, which wasn't designed by the NSA, or choose some other algorithm altogether. That's just the tip of the iceberg. It's my advice to focus on your core competencies and focus on your core differentiating points of your technology that you're building. 
leave the rest to people who focus on these things as their core competencies. For every feature that you want to implement, think about how it has been done before. If there's an accepted solution on the market and it isn't your core differentiating technology and there's no obvious reason not to take it, then take it. Check your ego at the door, please. Be someone who gets stuff done, not someone who thrashes about reinventing the wheel over and over and over again. To me, the average line of business application doesn't need to write its own compiler, doesn't need to write its own web framework, and it doesn't need a custom handwritten ORM, and it certainly doesn't need its own custom authentication. Unless one of those things actually gives you a competitive advantage, true competitive advantage, and not resume-driven development and a career advantage, don't fall victim to not invented here. And now for the picks of the week. My first pick of the week is a blog post that was written back in 2009. You can read about it over at tinyurl.com slash devinspiration, D-E-V-I-N-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N. This post isn't your standard top 10 BS. In this post, the author pretty much lays out some good ways to get inspired and excited about programming again. I don't want to give away too much about the list because the author was way more persuasive than I will be, but his core suggestions centered around interacting with other programmers, learning new stuff, and putting that knowledge into practice, and having a great workspace. I definitely think it's worth checking out. My second pick of the week is another blog post that builds on what I was talking about in our last episode. It's a new blog post from this month, January 2014, by Dan Campos, and you can read about it at tinyurl.com slash AU45Z. Dan was in debt and looking to make a career change back in 2008, and he decided to make iPhone apps. He doesn't have an easy story and a list of quick tips for you, but he outlines the plan that he used and was ultimately successful at. And guess what? It sounds a lot like A, always, B, B, C, coding. You can't beat it. That's it for this time. As always, if you have any comments, you can find me on Twitter as at PeteOnSoftware and on my blog as PeteOnSoftware.com. If you want to email me, my address is on the About page of my blog. And if you want to leave a comment on the podcast, you can click the Podcast tab in the menu and see the show notes with all our links and leave any feedback. See you next time. 